My name is Walter Isaacson, and I'm the president of the Aspen Institute, but I also happen to be from New Orleans. And after Hurricane Katrina, it renewed my very strong bonds for New Orleans, but also made me believe that after the storm, instead of just trying to rebuild, we had to take things that were bad in the city of New Orleans and make them great. And what we did was we focused particularly on the education system of New Orleans and tried to bring in the great leaders who knew how to be educational entrepreneurs. On a recent trip down there, I tried to go down every couple of months. I was visiting some schools. I'm involved with Teach for America, so we went to one of the schools that they have, that, where they have a lot of people. I also went to Gentilly High School, where College Track has a lot of kids. I was with Lorene Powell, some of you met her this week. She helps create College Track, which is a way to take kids in the schools and say, you're going to make it to college. And here we're going to help you with the ACTs. We're going to help you with the applications. We're going to help you with the after-school things. Because one of the dumbest things we do in our society is think that we should dump kids out on the street at 3 in the afternoon instead of working throughout the day. So College Track makes up for that. So while I'm down there at College Track, and where's Shurjan Burnside? Where is she? Shurjan? Hey. She runs College Track in New Orleans. So I ran into her, and we were at Gentilly, right, high school. And um, I met some great kids. I sat next to Troy, Troy Simon here. And um, Troy is a true hero of the hurricane because at age 12, you'll hear a story, I won't tell it, but that's when the hurricane hit. And he had not been served well by the schools, but he's become one of the great leaders. So through him, I met some other people. And then we decided to ride on to um, the New Orleans uh, science and math, is it? Oh, yeah, it's called Sci Academy. I can never remember the whole name. A charter school run by uh, a group of refugees from Teach for America. These kids were there, and I knew what was happening at Sci Academy. What was happening was another something of the Aspen Institute, the Story Swap program that Jackie and Mike Bezos have uh, helped create, which was using the Aspen Writers uh, Foundation as a way to get the kids in New Orleans to write stories and swap them with kids in Haiti. So as a bit of a surprise, because uh, I knew Lisa Consiglio was there, neither Jack or Mikey, Mike told me, Jackie or Mike told me, but I knew she was there. I walked in, and there's Lisa Consiglio in the FEMA trailers of Sci Academy working with the kids writing stories. And so we decided to try to bring all of this together uh, the Aspen Writers Foundation is now uh, under the umbrella of the Aspen Institute. The Bezos Family, which not only the Bezos Family Foundation, which not only does writer swap and help bring these kids here, but I think most of you all are Bezos scholars, right? Is this what the front row is all about? So I'd like to ask the Bezos scholars from all over America to stand up and take some applause too. So it's really fitting that all these things tie together, and I guess they're all one degree of separation from Jackie and Mike Bezos, which is why they tie together, but thank you. Thank you very, very much. And when you meet these kids, you will see how we can change education, how things like charter schools, and I hope you'll get inspired, but I'm going to make a bit of a plug. I mean, if you're looking at how Troy got brought out of his situation or Clarence or whatever, 
It's because of many things. At the Aspen Writers Foundation, the Bezos program, we'd be quite happy if you want to chip in and contribute to that. Teach for America, Mr. Markovitz all started that academy, went down to New Orleans. I obviously love Teach for America. College track, which really helped with these after-school programs. There will be ways you will get inspired. Just look it up and support one of these programs, because if we don't solve K-12 education, if we don't make more kids like this out of the kids uh, that we're leaving behind, we're not going to be successful as a country. So it's my great pleasure, I think, to introduce you, Lisa Wright, the woman who was on her hands and knees when I saw her in a FEMA trailer in New Orleans in May, Lisa Consiglia. Thank you all so much. Before I get started, I, um, I just want all of you to take an extra step here. And um, I, I, I told myself I wouldn't gush. I don't have too much time. But Jackie and Mike Bezos, your leadership, your guidance, your support, your advice, every single step of the way during this project, I, I can't help but just send love from the stage, from all of these students, from everyone in this room. We are so delighted with this. We share your vision. We celebrate you. We thank you. And I hope that everyone will join me in a huge round of applause. And thank you for Jackie and Mike Bezos. Um, I also wanted to uh, thank a couple of other people, um, quite a few. There's a long, long list. My highest praise goes to the students who were determined to see this project through. And you will see tonight during the short documentary and the panel discussion, they gave it their all. They were transformed by the experience, as we all were. I can tell you without a doubt that this project has changed my life, and I will never be the same and neither will stories be the same for me. And speaking of the video, Andrea Bohr, Diane Moore, Danny Brown, Jonathan Cloberdans, Natalie Lacey, Sarah Beth Burke, Nicole Hernandez, the wonderful Global Nomads group, oh, amazing group of people, and the Bezos Family Foundation, thank you for your teamwork. You are all superstars. The Port-au-Prince New Orleans Story Swap Project was designed to encourage students, tomorrow's leaders, to go beyond the borders, look beyond their borders, and, um, in order to gain knowledge and um, forge understanding. Through creative expression and the sharing of voices, experience, triumphs, and disasters, this innovative program was designed to help these students become informed, compassionate, global citizens. When we take the time to listen, really hear another person's story, something magical happens. We talk a lot about values, leadership, innovation, and inspiration. But before we do anything for mankind, I think we really have to truly understand mankind. Story Swap encourages all of us to understand, to see our neighbors with our imagination as well as with our eyes. It boils down to something quite simple. Our pain and our heartbreaks are not unprecedented in the history of the world. In fact, the things that torment us, like the things that buoy us, are what connect us to all of the living. 
or all of those who have truly lived. Tonight, we invite you to step inside the shoes of some very, very special people. We ask you to live another life, if only for a short amount of time, and to let yourself be transformed by the simple act of storytelling. It is my great, great pleasure to introduce Anna DeVere Smith, acclaimed actor, playwright, author, and teacher, who will introduce our panelists and moderate tonight's presentation. Anna? Okay, now you should be able to hear me. So it's just really great to see such a crowd out here. Uh, it's the biggest crowd I've seen other than in the tent, and so that means a lot uh, to the Bezos family, I'm sure, because it means that in this incredible group of people, there are partners for their mission. So uh, I'm just so happy that you've come tonight to meet these young people and to hear their story and to celebrate what the Aspen Writers uh, Foundation has done along with the uh, Bezos Scholars Program and the Bezos Family Foundation. So let's meet these remarkable people who are going to create our future. Uh, Kelly Paulemont. Kira Polemo. Both from Corps Privé Edme in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We also welcome Clarence Warren. Casey Jordan, both from the Sci Academy, New Orleans Charter Science and Math Academy. And our fifth panelist, uh, uh, Walter has mentioned, uh, Troy Simon. He's from uh, Greater Gentilly School in New Orleans. I Take it, he's Walter's protege. Uh, so Walter Isaacson was introduced to Troy on, on his recent trip to New Orleans and found his story so compelling that he passed it on to the Aspen Writers Foundation, who in turn felt it should be shared. Although Troy did not participate in the original swap, he exchanged stories with Kelly in advance of this event. So please join me once again in welcoming these remarkable human beings. So this evening's program, through narrative, um, a short documentary, and a panel discussion, will offer a personal introduction to these young people as they bridge the distance between New Orleans, Port-au-Prince, and Aspen with words, wit, and wisdom. Although their journeys are markedly different, they share terrible tragedies, a hurricane and an earthquake that devastated their homes, families, and cities as the world watched. They have lived and continue to live in the aftermath of those disasters. Our panelists also share many traits, passion, resilience, 
and unwavering determination even in circumstances that would cause many others to despair. And in the time I was able to spend with them this afternoon, um, I've learned that they are, uh, well, I heard this expression first actually from one of the uh, doctors at Partners in Health in Haiti when I uh, made my trip down there. Um, I think they're uh, pathological optimists. Uh, or, what, uh, or what Gloria Steinem would call, a, she calls herself a hopeaholic. So here we have a bunch of hopeaholics and uh, imagine it's contagious. So why are stories so important? The need to hear and tell stories has always been a part of the human experience. We need food, we need water, we need intimacy, and we need stories. Stories strengthen and shape culture. In our narratives, we make the ancient relevant, bypass the analytical brain to penetrate the heart, illuminate hidden places, and create recognition that our experiences are indeed human. Our stories provoke laughter, build bridges, heal old wounds, cause unbearable pain, and offer redemption. The sound of the story is the accompaniment of human life. We're lost without stories, and through them, we find ourselves and each other. Many of you attending the Aspen Ideas Festival to listen, uh, you're here to listen and to share stories of humble beginnings forged by maxing out credit cards, tales of remarkable, remarkable ideas that changed the world, hilarious failures that led to spectacular success. We attend this festival in the hope that these stories will spark a shift in thinking and often, and most important, and I hope it happens tonight, and often inspire action. Isaac Dennison said that to be a person is to have a story to tell. Our remarkable panelists have shared their stories with one another, and tonight they're going to share them with you. But um, before we begin the conversation with our panelists, let's take a look at the world premiere screening of Story Swap.
year could happen when it stopped. I was like, why me? Because I'm so young. Why do I have to see my house I'm down? Why do I have my uncle die like this? Why do I have to see those, those people in the streets dying? Because I, I was so young. When I heard Alicia's story, I thought that it was very sad because she had to um, leave on the morning of when Katrina hurt on New Orleans. And she was, I think, 10 years old. I think it's important to share her story because it's kind of a way of saying what you have in your heart. Whatever comes first to your mind is the right answer. There, this isn't something that really requires, you know, thinking deeply about. I'm Kuali. I wonder why I'm not an American. I hear what everybody say. I'm gonna walk you through creating a story in your own words. You can talk about where you, where you live, you can talk about um, uh, how you get to school. You don't have to make any kind of structure at this point. It can just be putting down pieces of information on a page. And so what I want you to think about is your story when it comes to Katrina or anything else that you want to write about and what that's going to mean to the person that you tell it to. From generation to generation, my ancestors moved to the USA where they grew crops and had children. Fifty years later, I was born into, the, into Louisiana and the city of New Orleans. I grew up in a rough neighborhood where everyone knew everyone. I became adapted to football. Now, every same Sunday, I go to my grandma's house and she makes gumbo that's so good. The shrimp and meat and other ingredients are so tender, makes you want to eat the bowl. That's fabulous. Heather's gonna start you on the uh, art portion of this, and I'm gonna walk you through creating a story in your own words. Story Swap teaches people to really not only be a good storyteller, but learn how to listen and reflect and take that moment and understand a deeper side of themselves. We're gonna brainstorm the story you want to share, because that's probably the most important part of this, is what do you wanna tell? Keeping things inside of you, I don't mean, it's not gonna change anything and make you feel better. When you express yourself, it kind of feels better. You're gonna sit one-on-one -on -one and you're gonna look at your partner. You're gonna have one student in New Orleans who becomes your partner and you're gonna tell them your story and they're gonna tell you their story. They get a chance to look their partner in the eye and in this case, it was a satellite feed between Haiti and New Orleans. That moment, I feel the house shaking and I say, daddy, daddy, and the one thing that really stood out about me, to me about Story Swamp was that I never thought that I could care for somebody that I, that I really didn't know. Like, for my, like, I care for my sisters and my brothers because they're my sister and my brother. But you, I just know this person for like seven, five days, and I already feel like that she's a part of my life. How you doing? My name is Clarence. Hi, my name is Isabel. My mom, she was like, I'm gonna stay, the hurricane gonna pass. The hurricane gonna pass. And I was, and I just started crying. Like, I, I was like very weeping about it. Like, I couldn't control myself, I just was crying. And my, finally, my uncle convinced her to leave. It was like massive traffic. And we was in traffic for about 26 hours. Packed in a one car, me and my brothers and my sister, well, me and my brothers, my mama, my grandpa. It was very, very hot in the car. And when we got to Texas, the hurricane hit New Orleans and we had stopped at this shelter. And that was like one of the most devastating things I've seen. 
Like it was showing the pictures of my house getting blown away. Uh, the, the how high the water was, like Buku people floating in water. And thank you for sharing your story. That was um, very sad. The cell phone, cell phone was ringing and, and I answered and this, this was my end. I heard my mom screaming. I say, what's going on, mom? You're not the same. And she said, my grandma died. I'm sorry about your grandma. I'm very, I'm sorry about your grandma. One thing that really connected with me is when my uh, story partner, Isabel, when she said that uh, her grandma died. And as soon as she said that, I just thought back, like, my grandma died a couple of years back. And I felt like we just, that, like, that really connected both of us. Like, how she, when she was telling her story, she started to cry, and I felt very, very bad about it because, like, she just lost one of the most important things in life. And, like, I felt the same way. Brothers and sisters with no blood ties, sharing with fathers or mothers helps me realize that all who are here are the ones who care, and all that is clear is that they'll be there. When I feel myself leaking, when I feel no air, when I'm no longer speaking, I know they'll be there. I know that when I'm gone, I'll leave behind something that's strong. I'm Sebastian. I'm 14 years old. Uh, I live in Haiti. In Sebastian's story, I felt more uh, more pain for him because, because of mostly it was just of how he had to sit there and, and, and watch the blood and gore and, and just watch all of his home basically collapse in front of him. It basically kind of hurt me. I've mostly learned is that, you know, as, as me being a teenager, you know, I have problems. You can help people no matter what, and that you should help people. If you feel that way towards your family, you can feel that way towards another person outside of your family. Whether we have blood relation or not, we are all here and we all share the same space. On the day of the hurricane, we just started like driving and just driving and we was in a shelter for like a month. My mother, she actually got real, real sick. We had to like call 911. That was the last time I saw my mother for like two years. And that's when like everything changed. And I think I was like 14 at the time, and it was just me and my little brothers and sisters. And that made me just be like the one to stand up and like take care of the family. When she was in the hospital, she died. And she she came back alive. Tuesday, January 12th, I was in my house and I felt the house shaking. And I say, Daddy, Daddy, what's happening? He says, Coralie, get out of here. Hey, Melissa, I'm Coralie. I'm listening to your story, and I'm so sad. And it's hot. Your story is a little bit like mine, because her mom died, and she returned to life, and my mom too. Their, their thinking is so fresh, they're so enthusiastic. 
students rewrite that story that they received from their partner in Haiti or New Orleans and absorb the words that they had just heard, try and put themselves in that person's shoes. I think for the students, it definitely helped them develop different things that uh, they didn't know, different skills, writing skills, thinking skills. I think it's good to write somebody's story. You feel exactly what you always feel. It's like when you read a book, you are the, the person in the book. That this, this story becomes your story. Now you said something about the feeling you associate with this image. Why? And there's this really delicate red strip. To make an art piece, the first thing that came to my mind was Hurricane Katrina. And then I thought about the earthquake. I was like, what if, what if I just could put them two together and like use them as symbols between like the different experiences me, me and my partner had, my partner and I had uh, in Haiti. And I was like, uh, this would be very good. And uh, I just did it. I think it's important for students to express themselves through their art because it gives them a different medium. If you're struggling with your written language, if you're struggling with your spoken language, sometimes it's just a refresh. It's just going to allow your brain another method of maybe getting closer to what you actually think and what you mean. I came up with the idea of the art piece because I just wanted to create something bigger than oh, what else she told me. What else could express what she told me than a, a real dirty cardboard and put a hole in it. And that's her heart and how the earthquake just broke in her heart. And it was just, it, it just like caught me like, all right, I'm going to do this for her. about Haiti, I feel like that what they've been through can never be covered by words. It's just so much bigger than that. We have gone through something, something of fear, but we shared something and we've learned from one another. The day of the earthquake, I felt the building shaking with me and everybody started to run because we didn't really get what was happening. I was wondering what, what happened to all my friends, my dad, to all my other families. And I had lost my grandmother, so it was kind of hard for me because I was pretty close with her and everything. To see all the places that you used to hang out with your friends and, you know, all the friends left too. And, you know, it's going to take a bunch of time to rebuild everything, just trying to be strong and try to live with what's left. We used to drive by and have fun, but we can't even do that anymore. I mean, seeing all the people in the street without families, without home and everything, it's kind of sad and depressing too. Glad to go back to school because the first step in life to achieve is education. And without that, I mean, you can't be anything. I do not want this to be a one-time thing. For me, I'm going to use some of this in my programs to be able to allow my students to fill the shoes of another student. Besides thinking about yourself or themselves, you have to learn how to think of others too. 
and there are other people who are just as you, just as bad as you, or even worse than you, who has those same things. It was hard because it was just too often to die or try to get out. Like every hour go by, the water get higher and higher. So it was like scary. It was kind of like a movie. And they had people dying in the water and it was painful because to get in that water in the sea deck, you had, it was, you had to just, you had to make it. Um, the hardest part about um, telling my story would be I had no news about my mother. I, I was singing and crying at the same time and it was very, very hard for me to say it because people would be thinking, what is she thinking she's singing while people are dying? Well, it's my way of being strong. The story swap was definitely a, it's original. I needed it because what I have seen, it, to be honest, it's, it's really terrible. It's re really terrible. I needed it because there were certain parts of me that wasn't, that was hidden myself, that was hidden within, there were certain things within myself that needed to be uh, transformed and released. And by hearing them, it kind of gave me a little bit more, uh, it kind of pepped me up. It gave me a little bit more energy to not keep what I have inside and to be able to express what I've been going through with others too. I think that the most important part of having the video conference available was the final day. It felt like a reward to see these students that we've gotten to know through their stories, to be able to share with them what was created. I definitely believe that a bond between these students will last. You could see it in their faces. You could hear it in their voices. By the very end, when I saw what they produced and saw how they interpreted their partner's stories, I truly believed that they uh, were able to absorb absolutely every part of what a story swap should be. Three choices. Die inside the pool with no oxygen and food. Die in the water or go outside and swim and will survive. I was going into the streets to find my mom when I seen blood all on the ground and missing body parts. But the one thing that scares me the most was my school falling. And I remember a great man saying this, no matter how hard you fall, it's about how fast you get up. Thank you, Clarence Warren, and I believe. My name is Ali. I like soccer and basketball. I look like a boy, but I am not a boy. Be strong and try to forget that sad story. Thank you. I would like to thank all of you for sharing your stories with us and to tell you, um, that, you ha that um, to never lose hope, that it's always there hiding somewhere and that you have to find it. Thank you. I just really believe Story Swap has changed me too. It's not about me sharing my story, but witnessing. And I love what happened here. Um, it's, it's not something that you can quite describe. I really hope people just stop and think about 
What story in their life has really made them who they are? Because those are the stories we all want to hear. And we have these moments that we hold on to and don't, don't ever come to the front. We don't acknowledge. When you talk to the other kids and you share your story with them, they know that they're not alone. And they're not the only ones that had problems and lost a bunch of people that they loved. So they know that we all, all together, and we just form like family. If I had one thing to say to Coralie, is that you are a very strong person. You are stronger than me. Because after Hurricane Katrina, every day I just cried and I was by myself. But I just wanted to tell you that you are not alone. I'm your partner. My name is Coralie. And be strong, don't cry. Uh, try to forget that story. Very sad. Thank you. I'm glad that I met y'all and uh, found out about y'all experiences. Now, the only thing I have to say is God is watching down. And he ain't asking y'all just to keep standing because later on, later on, not right now or not tomorrow, he's going to help y'all. And if y'all just keep praying to him, he's going to be there for y'all. And y'all just got to help yourselves and keep standing no matter what, even if y'all Houses and everything are broke down. Everything is not in place and everything is not good for you. You know, just think for a sec, look up, and just ask God to help. Retrouver le sourire. Parce que la vie, c'est pas facile des fois, mais un jour, quand même, on pourra, quand même, elle te retrouvera le sourire. Okay, she says that um, to her friend in New Orleans that. Um, you have to take life how it comes and life is like this there will be good times and bad times and that you have to keep on smiling because that's the best way to have courage thanks Um, uh, we're, I'm going to ask some questions uh, of these young people for a little while, and then we're going to open it up to your questions. But um, I was intrigued by many things in this film, and particularly one moment when Kira was talking, and uh, she said that she was singing when people were dying, or how could you be singing when people are dying? And, and any of us who had a, a history of struggle or had ancestors who struggled, and I'm sure you all did, we understand the relationship of song to struggle and song to loss and song to transformation. So I've asked Kira if she wouldn't mind singing for us 
the type of song that, that she sang in that moment. Stand up. And don't forget to hold the mic near your mouth. Any, either one. Um, this was the song that um, I was walking in my graduation day. There's a hero If you look inside your heart You don't have to be afraid Of what you are There's an innocent if you reach into your soul and the power and the sorrow that you know will melt away and then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on and you know you can't survive when you feel like hope is gone look inside you and be strong and you'll finally see the truth that I hear in you. So, uh, songs as a healing, uh, going to the song in a moment of catastrophe, and clearly... Uh, what uh, Story Swap, the Story Swap project has done is to go to storytelling for um, a similar purpose. Um, who wants to tell me about Story Swap? Just give me some extra facts about it and how it began. <laughs> Troy? Um, Clarence. Clarence? Um, Story Swap is... Like, it's like a great experience. Like, um, like it's considering like uh, that. Like when I first did story swap, it was like we actually story swap and like we gonna tell our stories and then we gonna swap them. And uh, <laughs> but like when I fir like when Miss Lisa told me about it and explained it to me, I was very very excited about it. Like I'm gonna actually talk to people from Haiti and. Uh, like, once I did it, I was like, I loved it. Like, I wanted to do more and more. And, like, it really opened my eyes. Like, they really wanted me, like, to travel around the world and uh, see different people and uh, different cultures. And um, for you, Kelly, would you say some things about any kind of a thought or a feeling that you uh, had that you didn't expect to? In other words, was there something about the story swap experience that uh, brought you to thoughts and feelings that you you may not have otherwise had? Well, yes. There were some things that I didn't expect to feel. Um, for example, when I was told that, you know, there's this project called Story Swap, and you tell your story, somebody else from another place tells their story, and you're going to retell their story, and they will retell your story. I was like, okay, no problem. And I told my story, and when I heard it be told, it was from a different point of view, but somehow I didn't think that my partner could relate to it because, you know, it's just my story, just retelling it. So it's just, I thought it was like a mirror. I was saying something and he was going to repeat it. But in some weird way, um, I never thought that 
somebody who didn't necessarily live the same things that I did could relate to my stories. And um, the fact that I didn't go through any of um, the problems that occurred after Hurricane Katrina, I didn't, you know, I, I heard about it, read about it, um, seen a lot of things about it, but to hear somebody's story, like what happened and how they felt about it and being able to retell it in my own words was something different. Mm -hmm. um, what was the most challenging part of this experience? Casey or, or Clarence? Um, the most challenging part of this experience was um, to be able to retell a story in your own words and still have it in day words. Like, um, tell it in your words, but don't change it from. So, g give their me an words. example of what. Tell, give me an example of that. Like, um, my partner, she was Coralie, and um, she told me that um, she was in, when the earthquake hit, she was in the shower, and um, her daddy had told her, um, get out the shower, come on, it's having an earthquake, what's going on? And so, I had to retell that in um, my words and then keeping her same words like I had to say that um so say it say it in your words my words would be like um Coralie I would not put my I mean put like she I'll say um you have I. to say I yeah so I'll be like um oh I was um in my bathroom and my father he told me um the earthquake was coming the earthquake was coming so I had to really get out and um get to a safe place and um he was protecting me like my father What's hard about that? Can you say why that's it's, hard? It's hard because um, you wouldn't want to change some, um, somebody else's words. Then they'll be like, oh, um, that's not me. That's not me. But um, to keep it in their words is something different from saying it in um, your own words or just their words. It's like telling um, their story and, and um, letting them feel like what you feel and let me feel what you feel too. Well, that's the best definition of acting I've ever heard. <laughs> um, Clarence, what about you? What was challenging for you you in, in it? Um, what was challenging was, like, when, he, when my partner Sebastian, like, I, he told me about what happened during the earthquake and have to put my, like, during my project, like, like, that was really challenging my project. Like, um... I had to like put his story, like I wanted to put his story and my story together and make it like one big old thing. And that was like really challenging because like he's way in here and I'm way in New Orleans. And that's like, like that's kind of a little far apart, but um, it was like very challenging for me because. Say that again? Huh? But did you just say it was like what? It was like really challenging for me. Uh-huh. And like once I like got the idea, I just, Put, like just put it together and it just came out so beautiful. Can you give us an example? Um, like my project basically was uh, um, I had like I had drew Louisiana and I had like this wave. Even though I mean a hurricane hit it, I had drew a wave and I had drew like like waves uh, going down to uh, Haiti and uh, I had drew Haiti and then I drew the capital and I drew like a raised circle for the earthquake. And uh, I just like put it together, and I just wrote my uh, I rewrote my partner's words into like like between between the distance between like in the waves. Ha, huh. yeah. 
Very, very interesting. Um, one of the questions I was asking this afternoon, and Troy, I wondered if you would uh, mind talking about it a little bit, just this, this idea of, of, of did you lose anything that you could never, ever get back? Well, um, well what I'm saying, um, I, I didn't lose anything at all because I know that nobody cannot steal my joy. Your my joy. My joy that's inside my heart. Nobody cannot steal my dreams. That lasts forever. And that becomes me. And what I thought about that, just, just thinking that way is having faith, confidence in yourself, that your dream's still alive. I know it's hard to really, you know, think like that. But how can I put this home? Sorry, y'all. But how can I put this but that's the only way that I can really get you out of the situation. That's the only way you can really think good about yourself. That's the only way, well, you cannot forget about the past. Sometimes you can, but not, not that bad disaster. You cannot forget about it. But you can always remember that you're here, you're alive, and you overcame that. And to see a boy like me overcame something like that, we all can do it. So, but I didn't lose anything. Anybody else want to tell me if they lost anything that they're never going to get back? I don't, I don't think that any one of us really lost something, like really lost something inside of yourself. Maybe um, fear of going under a house again, maybe that, but um, I don't think that someone really lost something. Like uh, it uh, actually gave us um, more hope. Like now I know because of the earthquake, I have more support. I know that I can get there anyways. Like um, before I knew I would get there anyways, but now after the earthquake, I know lots, like more people care. And I know like I can get there, like I will get there. Like it's something that I'm sure about is that I will get there. Kelly? Kelly is an incredible student, but I was warned that she's the shyest of the group. Um, well, I think that in the question of losing something, that people didn't really lose much. I think they more, it was more like they had a chance to gain. Because with, with Hurricane Katrina and with the earthquake, it was like whatever you had, you had family members, you had a life, you had things that you were doing, you had a personality, whatever you had was somewhat shattered. And um, what had happened, the hurricane or the earthquake, was sort of a chance to have a new beginning for people who wanted to reconsider themselves, reconsider who they were, what they were doing. Um, I think that both tragedies opened people's eyes to who they were, what they were doing. I mean, um, a lot of people in Haiti, you know, after the earthquake, they were like, wow, an earthquake just happened. I mean, and they were starting to make uh, totals of what, what, what they had amounted to, you know. Um, I have kids, but I'm not really there for them. Um, you know, I'm kind of absent in the family, and it strengthened some bonds. So in the end, I believe that whatever has been lost in terms of material or emotional terms, um, could be um, 
whatever had been lost has been compensated by whatever happened afterwards, after the earthquake or after the hurricane. Um, people got new chances to start over to but, have a new But beginning. your country is still in incredible disarray. How, how, it do, is. how do you feel about that? It is. Um, it is in disarray because people are still having trouble getting back up on their feet. Things are going slow. I mean, um, things are slowly starting to go back to the way they were before. People are going back to work, starting to go out at events on Friday nights, Sunday nights. But it's still very stiff. You know, um, some people, you tell them, oh, let's go to this place. And they go, inside? You know, yeah, inside. No, no, it's okay. I'm just staying on the outside, you know. And some people won't consider going shopping. But um, the, the frustration isn't only in... Um, in um, the society in itself, it's also on the political level, because most people consider that it's um, about time to have some change, because um, the way the president is leading the country, a lot of people are against it. They have problems with him. They want him to leave right now, right now. But his term is supposed to end on um, February 7th of next year. And if the country is still in a state of um, despair and in need of somebody to take things in charge. He might leave on May 14th. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with the decision. Or, um, they don't really like the idea of him leaving either on February 7th or May 14th. They want him to leave right away. So things are very tense, both on the political um, level and on the social level. Mm -hmm. um, what was your day-to-day -day life? Anybody can answer this. What was your day-to-day -day like? Maybe we'll start with you, Troy. What was your day-to-day -day life like immediately following Katrina? Day-to-day um, -day life. Just struggling. Um, being the person out there. Right afterwards it was regular? Day-to-day -day life before Hurricane Katrina? No, right after. after the storm. Right afterwards. Well, I'm not really sad because I... It really didn't matter to me, but just struggle and pain. That's all. Day-to-day -day life. And how is it different now? Different now. Oh, it's different now. So happy. So happy because I, I know that I went through some pain as a 12-year-old boy who really couldn't read or write, but I got through it. And I learned that that pain was only for the moment, but quitting was forever learned that my dream is still alive and I still can go far. Now, since I put my footprints in the ground, people can follow my footsteps and be the leader I became. So I have faith now. Well, when you use that word leader, tell us something that you've learned about leadership because of, of leadership. what happened. Great privilege come with great responsibility. I mean, sometimes even your friends going to get jealous. Family, that happened, I mean, still happening to me. And you just got to leave some people alone as a leader because they'll really try to bring you down. People still whisper about me, tell their lies, all kind of things. But as a leader, I learned that I'm a powerful speaker, motivational speaker, a wise man that thanked before he really take the step. So. All right, so I'm going to put you to the test about that. <laughs> Stand on your feet and motivate these people to keep attention to keep, attention. to keep their attention 
on New Orleans and on Haiti. To not forget it, just because it's not on the front page. Up, up on your feet and motivate this crowd. On my feet. Well, two worst disasters. Um, don't ever forget it, please don't. Because um, we all experience well some things in life, but you know, as students up here from you know, New Orleans and Haiti. If we can make it through it, you can. So now you see that. Don't live by fear. We don't have the spirit of fear, but a sound mind, power, and love. And just thinking about that, it's going to show you that. Hey, thank you. <laughs> You're a moment. Um, just time. thinking about that. Goes to show you how much people thinking about that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, this really don't happen. But thinking about that just goes to show you how much people struggle sometimes and how sometimes, you know, people like from Haiti is not one that an earthquake is coming. And people that are from New Orleans is one that a, um, you know, hurricane is coming. So, I really don't have anything to say about it, to tell you the truth. But just don't forget it. Serious, just don't forget it. But, you know, it's worse to come. It's more to happen, more you got to see. And I believe that that's not it yet. I believe that it's going to be much more coming soon. I mean, not to scare anybody, but serious. Be serious. But that prepared me how for the worst. We, how could we, if what you're saying is right, how could we prepare? How can you prepare? Mm -hmm. <laughs> how can you prepare? Is there a way we could be better prepared? Hmm. My way, praying to God, that's the only way. That's how I see it. And just listening to other people's story and seeing how they got through, you know, stuff like that, and seeing what they did with themselves, that's how you can be prepared. I don't see no other way. You know, you know that's it. Thank you. Kira, have you stayed in contact with your partner? Um, yeah. Uh, after uh, Story Swap, when um, Natalie left Haiti, um, we kept contact. We kept um, sending each other emails. And um, we had this project to um, send letters, like uh, handwriting letters. But um, we figured out that it was going to take too much time. So... What we did was, um, I wrote the letter, she wrote a letter, and like she took a picture of it, and Nali sent it to me um, via email. So it was, <laughs> and um, she sent me her email, her email address, so um, yeah, we, we kept contact, yeah. Thank God for email. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, you know, this is a sort of last question I'm going to ask, and I would like other people to ask you, you questions. Can, can anybody talk to me about how this whole experience of telling another person's story changed your writing in general? Did it, did it make your writing better? Oh, yeah. Or your speaking better? Um, like, after, like, um, after Story Swap, um, 
I think after to after tonight, I will be telling myself like, "Wow, Kira, like, um, you can like you can speak like like Obama, like wow, <laughs> like you can speak a lot in front of a lot of people, like wow." And um, like um, before when I was doing um, when I was writing, like you give me a subject and I have to write it. I really like looked like. Um, if uh, describe like describe your friendship with someone, I would be like, okay, like we we're, we're like I can tell secrets to my friend and like stuff. But um, after uh, after um, story swap, I would go deeper than what's on the um, on the surface. Like I would go deeper. I would go like, yeah, I can tell um, secrets, um, but I I know that. Um, those secrets are gonna stay safe. That I that, that I don't have to be afraid of that person telling um, to another person my secrets. Like I, I would go deeper because before I would always stay um, on the surface of the subject. I wouldn't go deeper. So it kind of, this, that's the way it kind of improved my writing skills. So story swap has helped you go deeper. Exactly. Through telling someone else's story, mm -hmm. you can go deeper into yourself. Is that what you mean? Yes, because you know, like, now you know exactly what the person feels, and you know exactly um, how deep it is. And this is when you realize that you, um, yours is as deep as what the person, like, your feeling is as, as deep as the person's feeling. Clarence, given uh, just what, this is very interesting, what we just heard, was there anything about yourself that surprised you while you were trying to learn somebody else's story? When you were trying to tell somebody else's story, did you learn something about yourself that you didn't know? Um, one thing I didn't know about myself is that, uh, like, at first, I can, I can, like, I'm very creative, and I can think of stuff, but I couldn't expand it. But after doing a story swap, I can expand it now because, like, uh, doing a project, I never thought about putting myself, my, myself in someone else's shoes. And, like, once I did that, I, I was like, I could probably do more and expand it. Like, that made, like, me think more and more about it. And that, like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, Casey, will you read to us a poem that I think you wrote here in Aspen? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. You wrote it at home? Yeah, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Use the mic. Do you got to get it? Oh, I thought you had it in your... <laughs> you rewrote it an hour ago. All right. So you wrote it at home and you rewrote it an hour ago. Yeah, I okay. is called Make It. Um, it's mostly about Haiti, but it got some stuff about Hurricane Katrina up in it, too. First the hurricane hit, wait, first the hurricane hit New Orleans, then the earthquake shook Haiti. What did they do to deserve what happened to, I mean, what did they do? It's so sad when you hear it on the news, but when you see it through, through their eyes, through a child's eyes, it's like a fairy dies. It's like the blood on the rocks and the hand crack, wait, and the hands 
crush crack between a wall, between a rocks and a walls. Like smack, smack, smack. Your home is long gone. Long gone with the water, with the seismic wave. What did they do? I don't know. But they know. The Haitians know. They know they did nothing, nothing at all to deserve this. Haiti, Haiti, make it, make it. The earthquake shook their homes, their hearts, their spirits. Haiti will come back. It will make it. Just like New Orleans, just like rebirth, they will, they will relive, regrow, renew. Just give them, give them a chance. First the hurricane hit New Orleans, and then the earthquake shook Haiti. Now there's, there's um, a very important idea in your poem, which is about the news, the news, what the news told all of us about this. Would anybody be willing to tell me what was the difference between what you heard or saw or read on the news <laughs> and what you learned from telling each other stories? Was there a difference between what, the, what you learned from the news and what you learned from this process of telling each other stories? Um, yes. Like the news, um, sometimes the news could be um, helpful, but for um, the earthquake, it was just like... Um, a massive earthquake hit Haiti, and then somebody in you know, a reporter would be down there and they'd be like, "Look at this! All the houses are destroyed, and um, homes and um, people are living in tents and stuff." But when you hear somebody's story, like their own story and what they really went through, it's so different from what's on the news or what's on the media. It's like, did they really go through this? Like the news don't tell you, like, "Oh, what is family?" Um, they had to sleep on the street and their grandmother died and um, they still have people and you know them, like you knew them, like it's, it's like, um, it's like um, being right in their, not even in their shoes, in their whole spirit, like in their body and to see somebody like really going through this is real hard and um, you feel for it rather than different on the news like they just say something about Haiti, and I, it's just off, off the news, when it really should be, like, back on the news, because they have so much more to tell about the earthquake and about what happened in Haiti, because it's, really um, it's really not just something that you could just say. It's something that, like, you have to live and you uh, have to, like, go through. Very good. Any one of the other ones of you want to address this question about the difference between the news and telling someone's story? Clarence? Um, yes, um, I like to add on to what Katie's, I mean, Casey said, sorry. <laughs> um, the news, like, will tell you, like, what's going on, like, around Haiti. Like, it wouldn't tell you, like, each, each person's, like, own story, like, what's really going on in Haiti. Like, when I did a story swap with my partner, Sebastian, he actually told me, like, what was really, really happening. Like, the news, it would tell you, oh, Haiti's being destroyed, buildings collapsed, people are, are hungry, and, uh, it's like it's it's very very bad out there, but like listen to Sebastian, I was like actually like wow like this really happened because like what he told me was like really, like really different from the uh, news. What he, was different? What was different? Like the news, it was like the news said um, he had just been hit with an earthquake. Everybody's like they finding bodies all over the place, and et cetera. 
what, but what Sebastian told me was like, yes, like the news didn't tell you about everybody dying, mostly dying. But Sebastian, he told me like, like what's happening to each and each individual in Haiti, like who they losing or what they doing or what they going through. And the news like really didn't tell me that, so it was good to uh, hear that from Sebastian. Thank you. May I have some questions from from you, or uh, or or stories you would like to swap with these with these young people? Do we have mics that we can use in the audience? I'm. Hello. <laughs> I'm Scott Shotan from New Orleans, and uh, one thing I've recently learned in the last couple of years, um, and really focused on since the, the earthquake in Haiti, was really the strong genetic connection between Haiti, or what used to be called Saint-Domingue, and New Orleans uh, after the slave rebellion in, uh, in Saint-Domingue. And the, uh, around 1800, or a little before, 10,000 people from Saint-Domingue immigrated to New Orleans as free people of color. And that contributed to uh, an already sizable population of free people of color in New Orleans in the late 1700s and early 1800s and uh, became the largest population of free people of color in the South. And as we know... Uh, these people settled in what is now called the Treme neighborhood um, and contributed richly to the culture of America through jazz, blues, early rock and roll, and so forth. So I appreciate this connection that you all have and the gift that, you, that you, your people have given our society and, and civilization here in the United States and in the world. And I really am sorry for the, the travesty that you all have experienced. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A anyone else? There's an, a hand. I'm Ellen Gabor from San Diego. The uh, writing process that you were taken through, the uh, writing down of ideas and the brainstorming and all of that, was that a new process that you were learning? Or had you learned this before? Um, we had learned this before during school. And uh, it, w it was not that hard. Like, it was very easy brainstorming, putting ideas on the people. Because, uh, like, brainstorming, just, you know, putting down your ideas. You could be right or wrong. So it was, yeah, very easy. And are you still using this process now in school when um, you write something? Um, no, not really because, because <laughs> um, like when I write, I start off writing my rough draft. I just write it down and then I go back and check it. And like, I just, like anything I really like, I just write it, write it down some more and then uh, put it to my final draft and just. That's good. <laughs> okay, thank you. Kelly, can you imagine uh, ways that this project could be used in other subjects, the story swap process? Well, it could be used for um, kids who have a problem in um, literacy and um, 
writing in general. Because what Story Swap did, what, what I noticed that it did was the kids had ideas, you know, they, they wanted to uh, make their point come across, but it was just stuck and there was no way of getting it out because they, they had ideas, but what was hard was getting it on paper and sort of organizing it in a way that the person you're talking to is going to understand what you're saying. And Story Swap allowed kids to do that. How, can you say? Do you know why? Because it helped you put ideas on paper down to the bare essentials. You had ideas, but you wanted to make the person you're talking to understand the core of what you're saying. You don't want to say too much. You don't want to say too little. You just want to make sure that they understand your point of view. So, but let me, let's think about this for a minute. Help me with this. So there's a, there's a famous playwright from Germany. If you don't know about, you should leave here and go and read about him. <laughs> I'm a pathological teacher. Uh, Bertolt Brecht. So help me with this. So Bertolt Brecht wrote a very famous essay called Street Scene. And the idea in that essay is that if you and I walked outside and there were an accident and people came running out and wanted to know what happened and we saw what happened. Let's say we saw someone shoot someone, unlikely in Aspen, but nonetheless. (laughs) And a robbery. We hope not. God forbid we would begin to express that in the way you're saying, very succinctly, quickly, and we may not even use full sentences. The guy came up and went, bam! Knocked it down, said, ah! Acted out. So what Brecht was trying to teach through that essay is that when you have a big experience or even a traumatic experience, uh, or if you see something like that, you become already a perfect storyteller. So I'm wondering if the story swapping was giving you the opportunity to see really what perfect writing would be like. Because, work with me here, because the person's experience has already edited their life down to the essentials. Does, does that make sense to you? Give me something back. Um, well, I suppose that um, if we take what's his, his Bertolt name? Brecht, yeah, um, Bertolt Brecht's um, essay, and we try to relate it with the story swap. It's it's um, pretty much the same thing because um, us students here we have lived something, and um, you know people wanted to know about it. People from around the world wanted to know what it was like to live Katrina, what it was like to live an earthquake. And um, unlike just saying we were in the school and there was this boom and the table started shaking left and right and left and right. And just, um, as you said, not finishing sentences and um, not quite getting the point across. Story swap was more of a way to, you know, first this happened and then there was this and that this caused some people to react this way, some people to react that way, and the outcome was this. Mm-hmm. So it's very organized. Yeah. Thank you. This is, 
I was, I was told that this young lady was shy, uh, but we can see nonetheless she didn't have any problem relating to Bertolt Brecht. Okay, another, uh, another question or remark. Hi, I'm sharing. Susie Kraybacher, yes. um, president of Mercy and Sharing based in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And I really want to commend you guys. Um, you're so brave. And I have 11 new children uh, living in our orphanages in Haiti just since the earthquake. And one of the things that um, we're experiencing with our children, the new ch newly orphaned children, and there are, are supposedly hundreds of thousands of newly orphaned children in the tent cities. And uh, we have 11, only 11 right now, and they're in shock. They don't speak. They don't know their names. They can't um, tell us how old they are. They don't come with papers. These children are just like you, but are still in shock. So I, I think the first thing I would love to do is invite, especially the Haitian young uh, men and women, to come and, if you would, talk to the children in our programs, in our schools. And I'd like to ask, um, do you guys still, are you still living in Haiti? Are you, um, have you uh, moved to the U.S.? Where are you positioned right now? And what are you going to do for the Haitian children that are still uh, in trauma and shock in Haiti? Are, do you have a plan? And if not, I'd like to help you make one. <laughs> um, after the earthquake, like um, me and Kelly, we went through... Um, New York, New York City. She spent two months there, I spent one month there, and we got back to Haiti. And um, classes started again. Um, like right now, uh, we're still, um, school is still um, open. And um, what we wanna do, what we are gonna do for the, um, the children that are still in shock is, um, I don't know how to say it because I'm still in shock. Like, you can ask it. I'm still in shock. Um, would be, like, if we could um, have, like, uh, some way of um, showing them that, like, we went through the same thing, that um, some of us are still in shock, but we, um, we don't stop there. Like, we go, oh, we... Um, but we, let, me, let me just ask you, are there things, at least the trip that I took in May, uh, just on a level of no place to play that is safe? Uh, you know, uh, are there things that you could see that children who are in shock need that even maybe people in this room could help them get some kind of a way? Do you see a need that you could tell us uh, about? Yes, I see a need, but... Um I don't have the word in English. Um, see, it's um, encadrement psychologique. It's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they are traumatized, and that's what Story Swap and DNG um, kind of did. Um, it would be a way of um, I. It's because I think. Well, I think it's because they haven't told their story yet. They don't. They, they think that they haven't. It's because they haven't told their story yet. So um, they're still like on shock because they haven't. Like nobody or nobody know what they went through. You mean small children? Um, 
yeah, like my age and uh -huh. like they haven't told their story yet. They need to be, um, they need people to listen to them. They need people like they, they, it's, they need to, um, take, oh, like it's, it's, um, uh, something on their back that they need to get away from, uh -huh. like they need to let go. They need to relax, but, um, to get there, they need to tell their stories because that's exactly how I was. Um, like when, um, Sarah Beth was, uh, having like when she, I was asking everybody to tell their stories and, uh, like just listening to one of their stories and I already, like, I was already getting like so sensible. And when, uh, she asked if I wanted and I was like, yes. And I couldn't even talk. I was crying so much, but it was a good feeling because I knew that like now, um, I took this weight like it was like uh, now I know that I I can I I can be prepared for another shock because if I had like after the earthquake something else would happen I would be like no I would go crazy because come on like after the earthquake but I needed someone to he listen to me and I think that's what they need to someone to listen to them thank you very much you're welcome um I think uh, we can have one more question or, or comment and then uh, sort of be wrapping up. I, I think that's right, the organizers. Yes, uh, there's a hand over here. Hi, thank you, I'm Madeline Mayer and I've had the privilege of working in Haiti over the years. And I worked with wonderful volunteer groups that came from all over the country, from our country, that came into the country to work with young people, sick people, older people in Haiti. And I was wondering, do you have volunteers coming down now uh, to your country to help what is, with what's going on? Oh, yes. Yeah, you, you will see. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, there are a lot of volunteers. I mean, right after the earthquake, the first organizations to be seen in the streets, and this was kind of surprising because, you know, people were still in a state of shock. And, you know, they'd be like, where are these, where are these people coming from? Where are they going? What are they doing? I mean, it's, it's panic time. Let's run and scream. But we, you had people from the Red Cross. You had people from... UNICEF and a bunch of other organizations who were out there helping right after the earthquake. And even up to today, there are still people out there. Um, Doctors Without Borders um, have those clinics that they set up in tent cities because um, as the hurricane season is approaching, um, people are getting worried. You know, tent cities are um, really concentrated and so there is um fear that you know people might get sick really quick because um diseases spread very fast so um with the intervention of these organizations the way that they um they act so quick and so thoughtfully i think that um by the time the hurricane season is in its full blow that um people will be prepared. So, a 
Um, before, we, before we close, I'm so happy this is the first year that uh, uh, Jackie Bezos has actually uh, going to come up and speak to you before we go. And uh, you know that she, together with her husband Mike Bezos, founded the Bezos Family Foundation. It's a private, independent foundation. The foundation works to strengthen educational opportunities for everyone, regardless of economic circumstances, and to cultivate learning as a lifelong process that begins at birth. So would you please welcome Jackie Bezos. Uh, on behalf of the foundation, I thank you. And on behalf of our amazing panelists, it is a privilege to have you here in Aspen. I appreciate what you've done for all of us and what you will continue to do for us. And I promise on the behalf of the people here and the audience that we will be your hope. Um, there isn't anyone in this room that doesn't have the ability to do something for someone else, including our panelists who are willing to step up for others in their country and in New Orleans. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to dig down deep, figure out what it is that you have to offer, whether it's um, you're a photographer, whether you're a director, thank you, Diane, thank you, Andrea, whether you are a web designer, a writer, a child, there's something that every single one of us can do here. And just to help your imagination along, I've brought some props and some opportunities. StorySwap not only did an amazing job of connecting the youth in Haiti and the youth in New Orleans and connecting all of our hearts to their stories, they've also put the stories into a book form along with the artwork. They're very limited copies, which helps me sell them very quickly. <laughs> so there's a table outside. If we run out of copies, we will take your name and your email address, and we will make sure you get a copy. It is beautiful. We could not have done StorySwap without the Global Nomads group. This is our third year to present Global Nomads here at the Aspen Ideas Festival. They're, they're an international um, NGO that connects students worldwide through video conferencing, curriculum, and storytelling. So um, there's some information out there about Global Nomads, and I encourage you to look at this information. If this is an organization that speaks to your heart, let it speak to your pocketbook. <laughs> they produced a, a DVD about Rwanda that is a not-to-be-missed uh, experience. If you were here two years ago, you met Ingrid um, from Rwanda, who has is in the process of graduating from Stanford this year. So thank you, G&G, &G, for getting Ingrid to Stanford. This is my last plug. Um, our foundation started an organization shortly after the hurricane, uh, I mean the uh, earthquake in Haiti, and it's called Students Rebuild. So this speaks to all the young people in the audience and all the parents of young people in the audience. This is an opportunity for youth worldwide to have a voice. We encourage young people to form teams. We've got over 100 teams formed already across the world in places as far flung as South Africa and Bangladesh. And this is without a hard launch. I'm making the hard launch tonight. <laughs> um, 
our foundation will match up to a half a half a million dollars all the money raised by students rebuild we're encouraging teams to form and to come up with creative fundraising because if I was a student like our students here and like our students on the dais I would appreciate the help of an NGO but I would cherish the help of another student so our students promise to help you so if you have a student if you know a student if you see a student encourage them to form a team and join students rebuild thank you all for coming Anna you're amazing Walter thank you very much for allowing us to work within the Aspen Institute and my beloved Bezos Aspen scholars yes and my honorary Bezos scholars yes good night well done guys